welcome to Switcher Chats, music interviews brought to you by Music Matters with Daryl Craig Harris and Music Tribes Unite. Good morning. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? Good. And uh, can you do me a favor? Pronounce your first name for me because I don't want to mess it up. <laughs> yeah, it, it's uh, I get it a lot, a lot. Um, it's Ashani. Ashani. Okay. Yeah. That, so it's ca- it it said exactly how it's it's spelled, but the e is an e rather than an like e sound. If that makes sense. Yeah, and actually, it's funny. Our friend uh, Fiona, which we're going to talk about her in a second, um, yeah. I, she always calls you Ash. So that's that's how yes. I kind of think of you. <laughs> yes, you can you can call me Ash. Everybody calls me Ash. That's yeah. that's my my nickname. So that's an easy Ash one to fun. remember. <laughs> yeah. So um, we met in London. I guess now it's been a few years. Um, yeah. Through our mutual friend Fiona Ross, who has uh, she's a very well known jazz singer, music journalist in yeah. London, and um, and you were singing in her band. And yeah. I was like, wow. I mean, that whole band is awesome. And um, so how long actually had you been working with Fiona doing that project? Um, I, I, I don't, I want to say four or five years now. Oh, it's been which a while. Which seems like a lot of time and it hasn't <laughs> felt like a, a lot of time. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure I started singing uh, backing vocals for her in around 2017 or 2018. Right. And um, she, I think that that project is under her own name, right? Just Fiona Ross. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's Fiona Ross. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and I love the band. I love that gig. It's so fun to, you know, get to do backing vocals and just be around for the banter of the band because it was so fun. Yeah. Um, and that's such yeah. a great, such a great group. And it's how horns and, and the whole thing. And it's a kind yeah. of an international vibe. Um, so tell me about you, like when you started, you're actually, first of all, you're in North London. Is that where you live now? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I do live in North London. And what, what, like, what's a North London, what what would be like an area that people would know? Um, if anybody knows of, um, I don't, I can't remember when it was, but there were, there there were riots in the UK a while ago. (laughs) I live near the place where they started, which was Tottenham in London. So it's in North London. Um, it's, I really, I love London a lot. Yeah, and I actually moved, I moved away. Well, I didn't move away. I went to study in um, Guildford in mm-hmm. Surrey. Okay. Um, and it's kind of small, small town vibes, you know, everybody's like comes into this little tiny town as right. the big town of the, the south of Surrey. And um, I was just like, get me back to London. I miss it. It's my home. Yeah. I just want to be here all the time. I mean, London is such a cool place because there's so much music happening in it. And that, that's yeah. something like I love when I go over there. I mean, I'm a photographer and, and doing the podcast stuff. But mm-hmm. that's one thing I love about London. There's all these clubs and there's some great jazz clubs. Um, and I think I actually saw you guys originally at the Pizza Express in Chelsea. Yeah. Might have been the first yeah. time. And, yeah. Um, so when, when you uh, when did you first start singing? I know you were very young. Tell me tell me that story with your family. Yeah. Um, so I have always... I have an older sister who's is only a little bit older than me. She's 21 months older than me. So we would oh, okay. share um, a bedroom and things like that. We were very close. So we loved, um, we weren't really Disney kids, but we really loved Bratz. Oh, and okay. they had songs and they right. had movies and they would do things. And we would always sing along with those songs. And um, I've always been a very extroverted and confident young person. And awesome. um, when I was a kid, I would always like, want people to hear me as much as they could so singing was something that was a good way to you know capture everyone's attention and keep everybody smiling sure um 
And my sister was actually better than me at singing for a while. And I was like, no, no, that's not going to happen here. So <laughs> it was something I kind of... gig. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I kind of went more down the singing realm and she went kind of into, like, reading and stories and books and stuff like that. But awesome. I was probably around eight years old when I did my first big solo gig and we did a, a gospel um, choir show oh, wow. with my primary school um, at the Royal Albert Hall, actually. Wow. And I always remember my mum, that my teacher's a, going a good, up to my really mum. Yeah, that's a really good first gig. <laughs> <laughs> it was really cool. I didn't, I like, I knew I was, I was, I thought I was good. I thought I was incredible. But um, my teachers went to my mum and said, you know, Ashley can sing. Have you heard her sing? She's great. And my mum was like, yeah, I mean, I've heard her sing, but, you know, like children singing. Right. And, and then she came to see this gig at the Royal Albert Hall and she was like, wow. She's great. So since then, singing's always been a big passion of mine and something awesome. I use to express myself in every way. Were, you, were your parents uh, musical or at all or have family members besides your sister? My, uh, well, everyone's kind of, my siblings have always been musical. My, my brother used to sing and dance when he was younger and we're, we're very like music loved family. I always say the top two artists in my house when I was younger was Beanie Man, who's a Jamaican dancehall artist, oh. and Mariah Carey. Yeah. And my mum used to love those two and always be playing them through the speaker. So there's always music in our house. My dad's actually a bass player um, ah, okay. from Hackney. Um, and my mum thinks she's a better singer than me, but you know what I mean? Come on, mum. <laughs> Come on. She'll be like, a... you should sing it like this, and it will be off-key that's <laughs> funny and your, um, your, your parents have a or, or your, i guess maybe is it your mom that has an island background or island influence right yeah yeah so my family both parts of my family come from jamaica oh, okay, um cool. and yeah we're quite um very jamaican in that yeah, in that awesome. sense um so yeah it's, it's a really good kind of jamaican culture is so rooted in music as well and yeah. um and and expression and everything amazing and fun and sunshine. Yeah, so much so, so, so much uh, history, you know, like yeah. so much musical history. Actually, I worked with um, with Miley um, some time back, and her her monitor mm -hmm. guy was was uh, um, Bob Marley's sound guy, and we were talking wow. about that. And it was funny because he goes, you know, it's funny with Bob. I mean, he knew him before he was really super famous, and he mm -hmm. goes, you know, it's funny because. We just did the gig. We didn't realize, and Bob was uh, Barley was known back then, of course, too. But he, be, after he passed away, he actually yeah. became even a bigger, you know, like a bigger humongous. Yeah, yeah, and that, yeah, that music has has just influenced a whole host of, of world music, and also too yeah. in, in England. Like, there's such a diverse musical culture, right? Definitely, definitely, and that's what I really like about London. I think there are different subsections of the kind of music scene that have got a bit you know, samey and then a right. little bit safe, but there's always a space for you to do something different and people not be too shocked that you're doing something, you know, outside of the box. It, it's a really yeah. comfortable place to be in when you're you're being unique um, as an artist. I really like that. Right. And yeah, there's such a legacy there too, just obviously awesome musicians and, and music happening. Who, who are some of your biggest influences growing up, singing-wise um, and music-wise? Yeah, I think definitely, I, I, I always fail to kind of recognise it, but I definitely think the kind of lovers rock and bashman and, and reggae and Jamaican music in general mm. has been quite a big influence on me that I didn't really realise until 
like recently listening back to that music and right. a lot of the singing and you know choices they make melody wise and harmony wise definitely come back into what I do now. Um, I think obviously when I was younger, I, I just listened to what my mum listened to. So it was a lot of like stuff on MTV bass. It was like mm. like R and B, like soulful stuff. Yeah. Um, when I got my own like Spotify account. I was like, all right, let's go. Let's find some music that really speaks to me. And I kind of got into like the more grungy things like indie, pop punk, jazz. Um, Yeah, so I was definitely in love with Paramore and Panic at Disco and Fall Out Boy and all of these things that were, you know, not not classed as, you know, black music. Well, I was going to say that. Um, That's actually, I think that's really neat that, because, you know, it's funny because I'm the same way. Like I listen to everything. I'll listen to punk rock, metal, jazz. Like I don't, I mean, to me, it's just music, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. And it's it's silly because, you know, and I have these conversations all the time. Like I do a podcast with women in jazz media and we talk about different types of music and black people being pigeonholed into making a certain type of music because music isn't, you know, rock music isn't for black people and it's silly because it all stemmed from <laughs> black people in the first place yeah it all so, actually all comes from rhythm and blues and like literally yeah. literally so yeah those have been and i think especially now those things really uh, made me want to learn guitar and mm. do like different things that i haven't really heard from um the music that my mum used to play and i've really made a big, big influence in me so i'd say like people like Ella Fitzgerald, Nina Simone, um, right. Radiohead, Nirvana, mm. um, Jeff Buckley, Stevie Wonder, you know, awesome. people like are really big influences on me and, and my writing style. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's a really great, you know, great list. I, I think that's that's cool that you were so open to listening to lots of different kinds of music. And I think, yeah. you know, like that, that also too, like, you know, when you're, when you're growing up and you're hearing, that happened to me too, you're hearing your parents' music. And you kind of don't think about it as a kid, but that does get it gets in the, into your psyche and your into your brain, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it was. It was for a part of me. It was kind of like, oh, okay, like, not that should I not be listening to this music, but it was kind of like, should I not be listening to this music? Is this not <laughs> black enough for me? Is it? Is it uh, not? That's but funny. yeah, I, I'm really like, right. If I didn't now, I think I'd be. A different type of artist so oh absolutely um, yeah. yeah i'm happy with what, what I'm, I'm gonna show everybody your new single that just came out this is well this is the cover so yeah um so tell me about that song which came out last week i think and then also mm-hmm. about the, your songwriting process because i know that's important for you also yeah yeah um cookie cutter is one of my like I think it was a quite a breakthrough song for me, songwriting wise. Mm. Um, the the themes of the song kind of focus around kind of a, a cookie cutter, copy paste, um, right. you know, mentality that a lot of artists have in and celebrity people have in the culture of everybody looking the same, everybody making music that's the same, and not being that, risky. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of pressure for that too, right? Yeah, of course. And it's a lot of pressure on artists like myself to make mm-hmm. music that, you know, fits within those molds. And I'm really adamant on not, it doesn't have to be like smashing through those molds, but just being myself in the most authentic way. So I thought I'd kind of talk about that from my perspective and how that affects people. Um, and I think the songwriting in this really stemmed from actually watching, which is fitting because it's on right now in the UK, but um, seeing a lot of cast members from Love Island, um, mm. which is a, a TV show 
reality TV show in the in the UK about you know dating. Yeah, things like that. We have similar shows here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like you know, X on the beach or like whatever, like that. Um, but a lot of um, people kind of started to commit suicide from being uh... part of this thing, and it was it was really it was something that I've really been interested in in you know young stars who are incredible and do these incredible things and burn so brightly and then tragically fade away um so it was kind of all based around like helping myself understand that and speak about it through Mm. my experience um but yeah I think it was really good for me the song the production the way the song sounds and um the way I wrote the little kind of guitar riff in it and it really made me feel at one with my guitar and my Mm. sound and it re- was a really a stepping stone to how the rest of the music is going to sound when it's out. So, awesome. yeah, it was a And you actually, um, you had released a song during the lockdown to, tell me about, is it Prince Charming? Is that, that the right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Pr- Prince Charming was actually released uh, just early this year um, in February. Hmm. And it's kind of the same kind of vibe. Um, it's that anti-love song, like Prince Charming didn't come. I'm sorry, he didn't come, and he didn't save the day. Right, and, yeah. we're, all, we're, all know, taught, we're all taught that that's going to happen, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, for me, growing up, I didn't really subscribe to this Disney princess culture. My Prince Charming was going to come save the day, and, you know, I've got to wait for this man who's going to swoop down and save me. I was right, like, I'm going right. to save myself, you exactly, know what I mean? I'm yeah. going to, yeah. So I thought, you know, Prince Charming was definitely a kind of F you to all of those fables <laughs> and all of that rubbish that tell you that you need to wait for somebody to save you when they probably won't come and you've got to save yourself. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, I think, I mean, and, and, yeah, and it's funny because like you said, Disney culture, because I mean, I grew up with that too. And like, yeah, it's funny how things change and, and society changes. And I think yeah. it's great, like as a young woman to be like, hey, I can do this on my own. Nobody needs to come save me. <laughs> you know? yeah. Yeah. That's like, a, that's yeah. a great, that's a great healthy attitude. I think it's really important for, for young, for young women. To, yeah. to kind of tap into with your music and and it's a it's yeah. a good it's a good message i think um i'm gonna actually let me let me see if i can this is my new switcher set, set up here so i'm gonna see if we can play your video What are you guys doing as far as live gigs in London? Is that is London just starting to open up, or what's the situation now? Yeah, so we had um, we had a couple of dates. I think one was the twelfth of April, where things inside could open, so we could have bars and things inside, but it had to be seated and ticketed, things like that. So you know, social distancing could be upheld. Then there was another date, which is the seventeenth of May, I want to say, and that mm. meant indoor entertainment could happen. Oh, okay. so we could have people indoors singing and things like that. Um, and then there was supposed to be the final unlocking on the 21st of June, where events were allowed to go ahead, all the festivals, everything, no social right. distancing. Um, and that got pushed back to the 19th of July. So hopefully mm. 
in July will be open up again. Um, but it's been a really difficult year for a lot of musicians and for London as a as a culture for music. Sure. Um, it was so strange walking around and knowing that there are no jam nights to go to. You know, there were no gigs to go and watch. There were no venues to play. Right. Um, and I think for me, being an extroverted person, I found it really difficult to sit and do nothing for a while. It did mean that I could focus on releasing and writing and really finding myself as an artist, but I couldn't perform. And right. that's a really big part of, of me as a person, not even just as an artist. I'd, I will sing you happy birthday 10 million times if I could get into, you know, in front of a, a crowd and feel that energy from people. So yeah. it was really, really difficult. Well, especially when you're a young artist and you're and you're kind of launching, and then all of a sudden you can't do any gigs. It's 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 got to yeah. be so frustrating, right? Yeah, it was really frustrating. It's, that's why I think everybody kind of took to social media and tried to do live streams and things like that, and right. really found different ways of boosting their engagement with their fans, so that hopefully when things reopen, we can all get back out and and have this new fan base and this new resurgence mm. of of people. And one of the things that uh, we were talking about our, our friend Fiona Ross, so one of the things that you started doing too um, is, well, podcasting, but also music journalism. Um, tell me yeah. about that, how that happened. Um, so I've always been a, an academic. Um, I Before doing music, I wanted to be a psychologist hmm. um, and help people get through their addictions um, right. through the study of um, kind of the psyche of addiction. And I took a gap year out to do music and then never turned back um, to psychology. So, but all of the, you know, all of the things I love to do were to read and to write and to learn um, and to kind of reiterate my thoughts on different situations. And I, I mm. think that bleeds into my kind of songwriting now and things like that. But um, Fiona uh, came to me and said, I know that you're fantastic. Do you want to write for a jazz quarterly magazine, mm. do an interview or something? And I was like, Sure, I guess. I've never written in a journalistic style before, but I've done right. essays, so I'm sure it's similar. Um, and then I did that first interview where I interviewed uh, a London band called Joseph Lawrence in the Garden, and it was so much fun. Mm. I really enjoyed interviewing them and reviewing their work. Um, and I actually recorded a little bit of our conversation for the interview as a podcast mm -hmm. um, at that time, and it was published, and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm... A published writer I can do this now I guess I've done it um so from there I started working with women in jazz media which right. is a company that wants to kind of boost women in the jazz um media sectors jazz music sectors because it's quite male white male dominated at the moment um, yeah. yeah absolutely so we're trying to mm -hmm. yeah we're trying to make some kind of changes in that so with that Fiona asked me what do I want to do to help out and I said I'll start a podcast where I can learn from amazing women that have um amazing stories so we yeah. sit and talk about what they've achieved and how we can kind of make the change in the jazz industry that we need to um which is so exciting yeah and it's it's neat because um i think it's you know we were talking i was talking to fiona about that and she said she was going around to these different magazines websites and stuff and, and she noticed that all the writers were men and generally white men <laughs> which yeah. is you know i mean like I think it's important to have everybody represented and there's so many awesome female, um, not only jazz artists, but just female artists in general. So it's, yeah, you're going to get a different perspective when a woman writes about a woman versus, yeah. you know, it's, and it's good to yeah. get all perspectives. So I think that's really neat. And, um, 
yeah, actually the podcasting thing is cool because you can shine the light on people that may not, especially people that are maybe, maybe they're known in London, but they're not known globally. And that's, that's a great yeah. vehicle for that, right? Yeah. And it's also, I mean, it's been amazing for me because I'm young and I'm kind of starting out my career and I'm speaking mm -hmm. to these people like, you know, Celine Peterson and Angelica Bina and um, Charisse Be uh, Beaumont from Black Lives and Music that she's trying to do this incredible things. And I'm sitting here being inspired by uh, these black women that are doing incredible things around the world, like right. in New York and here in Canada and here in London and I'm just soaking it all in. I'm like a sponge of yeah. these people's lives and experiences. So as much as I, you know, I've, I can give them a platform to talk about what, you know, they do and, um, and what they want to achieve, I can also learn so much from these incredible women, especially right. people like Fiona as well. Um, I'm very lucky to be surrounded by a lot of supportive um, women in the industry. Yeah, and I think, I mean, one of the cool things about interviewing people too, a big part of that is actually listening, right? That's important. And then, and also being, yeah, being inspired, I think that's really exciting. Then you all, everybody gets something from it. You, you yeah. and the person that you're interviewing, which is awesome. What's, what's advice that you would give to young artists and well, actually young journalists for that matter? What, what's some of the biggest things that you've learned so far? Um, I always say to just be passionate about whatever you do um, in any way and every way. Find something that you really are interested in and that people will see and hear and feel through your how fast you're typing on the keyboard when they're right. reading your your work. Um, I think I, I, I think journalism is all about having a voice, just as mm. songwriting and singing is having a voice. So don't be scared to be yourself in your writing and don't be scared to shine through um what you're writing about and give your opinions you know because your yep. opinion is important um and yeah um yeah i think that's it just be yourself and be passionate and in love with what you're doing and anything you do you'll love you know yeah and it can take i mean it can take a while to find your own voice right because you have you have like a lot we were talking about the cultural pressures of different things and mm -hmm. you, you kind of you know everybody wants to be successful but you have to figure out what that success means to you right yeah yeah a hundred percent and that's I was having this uh, conversation with my stepsister who's an artist as well and she's doing incredible mm -hmm. she just sold out jazz cafe um the other day uh, well, oh, for awesome. her headline show yeah incredible artist and I was speaking to her about kind of my releases and you know I'm quite young in my release career as an artist right. and she was just saying think about like what are the things that you wanted to do when you were 11 years old that you would dream about and you know what who, what were you listening to when you were 11 what were you doing when you were 11 that is what you wanted to do because there right. was no outside influence that you didn't have I don't know I didn't have social media or I didn't yeah. have you know I was just sitting in my bedroom dreaming and right. that is the thing that I wanted to do and I think people need to start thinking into that part of themselves that mm. part of the dreamer in them what do I actually want to do here and can I make it possible and most of the time it's a yes yeah. um so yeah and just just being as like fearless in that as possible yeah and it's, really I mean at that age too you're kind of a pure soul in a way like you're not jaded yeah. by all this stuff and you just I always say that you know musicians I'll see people maybe they're complaining about this or complaining like that about different things and I said you know it's really important to remember why you do this What's you know it wasn't it wasn't because 
you know, you were trying to get rich. It wasn't because of whatever. I mean, everybody's different, but generally, yeah. usually it's because you just loved it and you wanted to have that feeling of joy, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But I, yeah, I, I think it's super important to always kind of remember that stuff. Um, yeah. How, how can people find you online? I'm gonna, actually, I'm going to pop your, um, your single image up again. How can, yeah. how, how can everybody find you? I'm on online everywhere at just Ashani White, which is my full name, which I'm so lucky to have the only Ashani White at in the whole entire world. <laughs> but on every know, platform, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm so lucky. If you awesome. Google Ashani White, you should be able to find me on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, all of those things, um, and Spotify, and check out my music there. Great. But what's uh, what's coming up for you in the future? Are you, are you working on new releases? Or you, obviously, you're trying to probably book some live gigs and. Yes, yeah. So I've actually got a live gig in um, a canal side bar in Camden on the 25th of July. Awesome. 29th of July, maybe, um, which is coming up. I've also got a live video for Cookie Cutter that I'm hopefully, hopefully is going to be all edited and ready to go in the next couple of days. Um, awesome. And then I'm going to have the EP out and an EP launch to follow that. So maybe if you're down in London around October time, you could come down and see the ep launch but i've recently been um granted some funding um on the wide for music generate scheme luckily to put yeah. on a showcase event um in london so i'm hoping Great. that i can invite a whole bunch of people down to check yeah, out I'm, actually gonna, I'm gonna probably be in london in october shooting a show and so cool. yeah maybe but hopefully that'll coincide Perfect. with your release. yeah that'll be so good yeah <laughs> That'll be awesome. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, I, I, I encourage everybody to, to check you out online. I know, like you said, you're on Spotify, SoundCloud, all those different yeah. out, outlets. Your music is really interesting. It, it's really uh, like you. a lot of different influences you can hear. Um, I think it's exciting that, that you know, you're a young artist. And it's kind of like the world's out there for you. So it, it's uh, I'm really excited to see what, what you do. Please Thank make sure you. you send me your videos and we'll, we'll get them up on our, on our outlets and let everybody see you. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed our chat. Uh, me too. Have a great day in London, and I'll, I'll talk to <laughs> you soon. Too. Yeah, thank you. Pop up my fancy logo. <laughs> <laughs> you can follow us on all major podcast outlets at Music Matters with Daryl Craig Harris. Thanks for joining us, and catch you next time.